All right, Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Are you guys having a good Sukkot? And we are being blessed. We are being blessed with tremendous weather, aren't we? Tremendous, fabulous, every single day. So that is truly uh, refreshing. We're live. Excellent. To all of you that are joining us live stream, shalom, shalom. I have come that they may be fertilized. That's a different translation, isn't it? That's the new Nolanite international version. I have come that they might be fertilized, meaning bring forth life, that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. So we've been talking about healing, fasting, health, diet, blood, seed, DNA, all of those interesting things. And specifically in this generation of pharmakia, and compelled performance, where Mystery Babylon is compelling you to give up all of your um, medical private information, your DNA code here, your blood there, your saliva there, your spittle here, there, and everywhere. Why? Oh, no reason. It's for your benefit. It's because we love you, not right? It's all data collection. It's all data harvesting because Satan knows that from the foundation, before the foundation of the world, your code was written into the book of life and that the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is distinctly different, going to be totally on a separate network, if you will, of this world that can't even think properly, that can't even comprehend what is going on because they are programmed to perform to the contract that they have marked their life to. So this really is applicable. When Yahweh speaks, things happen. Abracadabra. What does that mean? Yahweh speaks, things happen. Words mean things, as we have heard so many times over the years. And words really mean things to somebody like me, who writes, reads a lot. Words mean things. And we have to also realize that language is often encoded in that language is your remedy. So if you don't understand the language, you might not find the remedy. And specifically in the world of legalese, a lot of words that you think mean one thing actually mean something else. So study the language in the Bible. Study the language so that you can find the remedy. If you're out there in the world, study the legalese so that you can find the remedy. Because when you hear a word and you think it means something, the majority of the time, it does not. And you could have just accepted something that you didn't 
realized that you had and brought a curse into your life. When Yahweh speaks, things happen. And how does his creation know when it's time to sprout forth leaves? How does his creation know when it's time to bring forth birth? It's encoded. It's written in the DNA. That's where the voice of Yahuwah is heard. That's where the voice of Yahuwah is heard. So think about the, the, the wheat and the tares. Tares, well, those conceived as tares. Tares are those conceived as tares, kept not their first estate, as it's written in the Torah, and they will be burned because they kept not their first estate. Tares, is it possible? We're just exploring. Were they never written? Were they never encoded? Were they never written in the book of life? Because the potter decides from the beginning where if he's going to create the pot for destruction or for glory, right? Whether it be the prophets or Paul speaking to the Romans. So the potter, were the tares ever even written in the book of life? Tares are grown from tear seeds, like kind after like kind. So their genetic composition then wouldn't allow them to change into wheat seeds, would it? Wouldn't that violate the laws of kiliayim, the laws of mixing? These are just things that I'm pondering and sharing with you as a mature audience. I get to do that now. Wouldn't their destiny be burned? I love it over the years that my audience has changed and now that I can have more of a, a, a dialogue, you know? It's not like I'm, I know you didn't just leave the church yesterday. Well, if you did, we can help you with that, but, but the, most of you didn't, right? So, so it's a different audience. It's a lot more fun. It's a lot more fun. It's just, it's just I feel like we have, we have kind of, it's more of a kinship, you know what I mean? So, which is why I get silly, so forgive me for that. But in Hebrews chapter 4 in the 11th verse, 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 10, you see that those who were written in the book of life in their genetic code can fail. So what I'm suggesting to you is that tares were created as tares and therefore they could never be wheat because that would be a change in their genetic composition, which would violate the laws of Kilyayim, which would mean that tares were created for destruction, Pharaoh. That's just the way it is. Yes, you can get into Armenianism and Calvinism, and that's a very good debate, which is a controversy. But it's kind of fun to do that. That's fun. That's a good side, side, sidebar conversation around the campsite. But let's camp on that. But then, is it possible that wheat that was created for glory can fail because you are working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You are running the good race. We have not yet attained what we seek to attain. It has been secured for us, but we have to finish the fight. We have to finish the race. Is it possible then that wheat 
that is written in the book of life, coded through their DNA, their genetic code, into the book of life, can fail in their spiritual life by unbelief. Doesn't it say that? That those that have chosen the master, master of glory and then deny him, that they are lost. Isn't that what Hebrews chapter 10 and to 26th verse goes into quite some detail about? That's a scary place to be. Wheat that knows the glory of Yahushua and then falls into unbelief. Are those the ones that are blotted out of the book of life? Because the tares were never surely encoded in it. Everyone tracking thus far? Okay, I'll continue on then. Begotten of seed, begotten of seed would be like begotten of DNA. First John chapter 3 verse 9 then. Whoever has been begotten of Yahweh does not sin. All right, now this is something that always be like, you mean we, we don't have to sin? And we're like, oh, but it really does say that. And then you're like, oh man, I'm really falling short. We have the genetic makeup. We have the code within us to not sin. It is written. How, now we're talking about enlightenment. It's the Illuminati, yeah? Which is, which is enlightenment, right? So we get all triggered by a lot of this stuff. But it's not necessarily bad. We do want to be the Illuminati, right? Of Yahuwah. Right now the chat's going to go nuts. See, I knew it. I knew that Nolan was always in the Illuminati. No. I'm just trying to open your minds to the possibilities that we have been narrow-minded based upon fear and propaganda. And it could have been Christian or Messianic propaganda too. But surely if we're mature enough in the word, like Brenda was saying this morning, then we can just look to the word to see if the things I'm suggesting, bringing up to you, are so. I want to be illuminated. I want more light in me. That's where the word Illuminati comes from. I'm not saying that we should go and do anti-biblical stuff, but let's stop with shutting things down that maybe we don't quite understand properly. Because we may not have genuinely experienced it, just like we had not genuinely experienced the Sabbaths, the feasts, and the festivals. Oh, it's for the Jews. But we've changed, have we not? Well, there is other areas in our lives that we need to change too. Because there are opportunities for us to grow in our enlightenment. Whoever has been begotten of Yahweh does not sin, for his zirah, his seed, remains in him. Ooh. And he cannot sin because he has born, been born of Yahweh. Deal with that verse as you fall flat on your face in sin. And you're like, wow, man, is it Yahweh's failing or is it your failing of comprehending how you've actually been changed? 
but you're not walking in it. I'm not what we haven't learned to navigate the newness of our composition. But our composition is that we would sin no more. So what is it that is preventing us? It's not Yahweh's word. He just told us right there. It's not his seed in us that's limiting us. It's something else. It's our belief. We don't believe. We haven't apprehended it. It's in us, but we haven't apprehended it. It's like Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. He comes out of the pod, but he's, he, he wants to jump over the building from one building to another, but it's too much for his mind to comprehend that he can actually do it, that he falls short. But as the movie progresses and the series progress, you see that he can bend and bullets can go through him because as he has grown his understanding and increased his belief, what was already in him that he had come out of the pod was actually materialized, which comes back to as you speak, you create. Does that make sense? Okay, I don't want to get too trippy on you. But the seed is the grain that contains within itself the germ of the future plants. So the seed is the DNA. The DNA is unchanged in its physical sense from the creator. So there is no sin missing the mark in regard to what the seed is. For the seed to become justified before Yahuwah, it must be germinated by the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and fertilized by Yahusha. Everything's agricultural in the scriptures, isn't it not? Now, for this seed to become justified before Yahuwah, it has to be germinated by the Ruach HaKodesh, fertilized by Yahusha, then our behavior, which is belief, because we believe it now, our behavior then can bring changes within the gene. Do you believe that? Your behavior can bring changes within the gene sequencing. Well, think about that. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 10, shows us that. And we had some people discussing that around the fire last night. There was a brother saying he was at Mars Hill Church and all the men were, you know, in these patriarchal groups and they were still struggling with some issues. But when he had a change of his behaviors because he started to keep the Torah, then that expressed a change within his DNA sequences or his gene expression. 2 Samuel 12.10 Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house. Whoa. Something happened in that structure of his family's DNA because of something the father had done. Now there was a change in David's gene which then went down 
the genealogy and it was passed through seed. There was a change in the gene expression. Can we agree with that? Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and you have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Because there was something that he released fluid into the host, which was then, should have been another man's, and that man then blood was spilled on the earth and went into the earth. And what did it do? Defiled the land. We spoke about that yesterday. Jeremiah chapter 35 verse 18 is a similar example. And Jeremiah said to the house of the Rechabites, this says Yahuwah Savot, the Elohim of Israel, because you have obeyed the commandment of Yondabar, your father, and kept all of his precepts and done according to all that he has commanded you, Therefore, this says Yahuwah Savot, the Elohim of Israel. Yondavab, the son of Rechab, shall not lack a man to stand before me forever and ever. He was not from a blessed line of Israel, but because he did a righteous work, there was a change in his gene expression that went down throughout his generations, and what was cursed turned out to be blessed. Hmm. Yeah, this is some illuminating stuff. How about Yeshayahu, Isaiah the prophet, the 44th chapter, and the third verse? For I will pour water about, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my ruach my spirit upon your seed, Zerah, and my blessing upon your offspring. Do you see all the word connections here? We've got the pouring forth, that's fluid. It could be seminal fluid, it could be blood. It's an expression of flow, of flow. Um, seed, earth, land, gene expression down the generations. There's all the connections there. Do a word study on it. Look at Malachi in the second chapter in the 14th verse. You see Yah's seed right here. Yahweh has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth, against whom you have dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion and the wife of your covenant. And did not he make them both ekad, one, bound, they became what was divided, came bound, and it became one in its gene expression. That's why my wife looks, and I look just like my wife. And you may kind of think I'm joking, but you might see that maybe we, you know, have, maybe like she sways a certain way, and then all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, I'm swaying the same way too, right? She's stirring her tea a certain No, we start, you do start to pick up traits, you do. Or you say some funny expressions, or all of a sudden, my wife starts speaking with a bit of an accent. Seriously. You start to pick up these funny little ways from one another. Am I the only one? No, come on. Those of you that have been married for quite some time, look, 
She's the wife of your covenant. Verse 15, Malachi chapter 2. And did not he make them both Ekad? And the rest of the Ruachim, the spirits, are his also. And why, here's the question with the answer, and why are they Ekad? That he might seek a Zerah, a seed, the next step for Elohim. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. Serious admonition. Because that is supposed to be the host of all the blessings and replication that will go down in even into the land and into the ground and bring forth an abundance. Oh. All of this is connected. DNA, blood, fluid, flowing, earth, blessing, seed, blood. I mean, blood is, I mean, dharm, right? Dharm. And you, can, you do the word connections of that. It's mentioned like 300 and something times in the Tanakh. In Acts 15, right? There's the nations and the good news of Isaiah. The Besorah is going out to the nations. And he says, you know what? We've got all kinds of ideas of what we should be doing. But they're a bunch of, you know, Ephraimites out in the nations. They're going to be coming back. Let's have a high council meeting here in Jerusalem. And let's just establish, oh, there's, you know, according to the rabbis, there's 613 commandments. We can't lay that burden on them right off the bat. They, it's just too much. It's too heavy. Not even our fathers, I'm ad living here, not even our fathers could take that heavy yoke. And, and the disciples are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let's just scrap, you know, 609 of them right now put them on the side burner. Let's just give them four simple commandments, okay? Read the list. Do any of them have anything to do with blood, sperm, and seed? All of them. Because it's not important whatsoever. Anything I'm saying today is about... No, it's vital. 609 of the alleged rabbinical commandments... We're going to put over here for a bit. And we're just going to focus on the four that have got to do with blessing or cursing, abomination or honor. Because if we can't get those four straight, you're never going to get to the other 609. Shabbat shalom, Shabbat shalom, as they're stabbing you in the back. Right? That's no good. I can't tell you, Tamara. Over the years, when I've received emails and they begin with shalom, I'm like, oh, watch out. If it begins with shalom, I guarantee the daggers are coming out. You're, you will be bleeding on the ground by the end of the email. I'm like, oh, my goodness, if we've got an email, it begins with shalom. Oh. All right, I've been around the block, let me tell you. And those of you who've been in ministry, you know what I am saying. Veiled threats between the greeting of shalom and the, um, the closure of shalom unto you. And unto you too, mate. Anyway, Acts 15 is all about nidar. It's all about blood flow. Abstinence. Not only in food, but in your activities. Life is in the blood. Well, that was discovered even by biologists in 
1615, that life was in the blood. They discovered that back in 1615. Blood is the soul. Blood is the nefesh. The soul of a person resides within the blood. Think about that. The soul of the, you know, and you've got the pagans, right? You've got blood brothers. And you can see how then, what does that do? It allegedly binds the soul. Well, where did it, what's a real thing? And what did the, the First Nations people do when they came across the Tatonga, the um, buffalo? Man, they would just cut that thing open and go right in for the heart or the soul or the kiliaim, the reins, the kidneys, and just eat it raw because they believed that they were taking the soul of the buffalo and it was a sacred, sacred rite. It was a sacred, I mean, it was a, a holy ritual in that pagan community. Because these are, these are things, of, these are truths that have been passed down through cultures over the ages. Because I believe, and I think you would agree with me, that the origin of everything is the Hebrew culture. And then it got dispersed out into the nations. Even the Chinese have, you know, ideographs for an ark of seven characters and various things of float. And it's because it's gone out to the nations, I think. And then it gets corrupted and then they build their own temples and their own shrines. But there's, you will always find that it will connect back to the Hebrew scriptures or the temple system in Jerusalem or the tabernacle and its rites in the wilderness. So if you think about a soul then, nefesh, a soul has two parts the flesh and the blood. And neither can exist independently. And that's why when the flesh departs, the soul then needs to be recorded where it is, where? In the book of life. So we can't see the soul except through its visible blood, which would be then like the seat of the soul is the blood. Think about that. So, you know, I've got some rough notes, you can tell. I'm kind of making this up as I go along. But there is some biblical foundation to it. So I'm not just, you know, guessing. So then I start thinking about, because of my youth, what about soul trading? Mm, right? What's up with that? I think it's a real thing. Why? Because I still have nightmares from stuff I did 30 years ago. Once in a while. What's up with that? Hmm. But I've repented. Ah. But do I have something corrupted inside of me because of it? In Mark chapter 7, verse 21, I read, from out of the blood of men proceed evil thoughts. Oh, that's why I had the nightmare about that girl from when I was 16. What? Too much information, my wife's thinking in the back with my children in the room. Right? But my children are a little older now, and my Hattie back there, she's always adding one plus one equals two! Oh my goodness! And my other children are still scratching their, their head like, oh, 
I don't get it. And she's already made the connection. So we've got to be careful with that one back there. Look at her. Look at her. She's smiling away. Moshe would be like, yeah, I don't get it. Oh, yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> what size tires was it on the truck? What kind of engine? And how did he go? I got the connection. Oh, my goodness. So that's what it means. We're like, oh, okay, we can't speak in code anymore. She's cracked the code. The Adam and Eve, the birds and bees, you know what I mean? From out of the blood of men proceed evil thoughts. Adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye. Blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Why out of all the things that is most probably the most defiling to oneself, do they call the organization pride? Why? And why would its symbol be the very symbol that Yahweh used for judgment? Because in their pride, they're thumbing the judgment of the Creator and saying, na, 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 na. we know you're never going to destroy us by flood again. Oh, yeah, but read the back of the book. It's going to be fire next time. See, but why pick that name and those symbols? Because S.A. Tan knows this is all about DNA, blood, and fluids, because ultimately we are going to have to have a new earth because the land is so polluted. The cultures, I don't care where you move, you will find that that stuff has encroached upon the borders of every corner of this land. Every corner of, you cannot escape it. What you can do is prepare for the coming of the kingdom. And make sure you're not practicing what's going to get the wrath of Yahuwah poured out in a day on Yom Kippur. I mean, blood. Think about blood. That's why Yahuwah says, don't eat the blood, because it cannot be digested. All the diseases in the blood. Blood cannot be digested. It coagulates. Can you imagine what that would be like in your guts? Blood coagulates. When a man, well, think about this. Children, plug your ears. When a man enters a woman, he gives her part of himself because those fluids contain blood plasma, right? So he gives some of his soul to her. And in the holy marriage of union, the two become one soul. Which then, if that is not followed in the order of covenant, you can see how it will end up in chaos and hauntingness. Because it's all in the blood. Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, all of that, it's all recorded in the blood. And then you wonder why 30 years later you're still having nightmares or guilt or shame or whatnot because of these activities. Because he gave some of his soul his life. They couple together and they begin to begin to become one, which is Basara Kad in its holy union. The longer a couple lives together and they don't deprive one another, key point, 
and they don't deprive one another, the more their souls become shared with each other, which is a good thing. Which is a good thing in its holy activity, correct? That's what Yahweh wants for us. So the exchange between the two, husband and wife, is primarily a one-way transaction, is it not? Right? The man's soul goes to the woman. Eve, of course, was suited to Adam. She takes upon some of his soul to understand him, to know him intimately. Not da'at, that's another Hebrew word, that's like experimental knowledge, which would be fornication. It's going to get you into a whole world of evil and hauntingness, because that's da'at. Oh, yeah, I want to know. No. That's da'at. Yada. Intimate. Intimate, holy knowledge. Yahushua wants to yada us. Because we're the bride of Christ, the bride of Mashiach. He doesn't want, he'll say, oh, oh, many will come to me at the end of days. And they'll say, oh, I da'at you. Oh, I heard about you. I, I kind of experimented with you on Easter and Christmas. And, you know, once in a while I'd show up on a Sunday hungover. But, yeah, I experimented with you. That's da'at. And he'll say, away from me, you workers of A, Nomia, without Torah. Because the ones that he's looking for are the yada. They intimately communed with me. And they exchanged their DNA for my DNA. And I changed their blood. I changed their behaviors. It was a holy transaction from the Yom Kippur altar in the heavenlies. We had a blood transfusion. That's some deep stuff. The longer you are connected to Yahushua, the more you should become like him. The longer a husband and a wife that don't deny one another are connected, the more they become together like Yahushua and Besar Ekad. But if there is a malfunction with either of those intimate relationships, then the malfunction then will go on to the next generation and they will malfunction. So the exchange between the two, like I said, is primarily a one-way transaction because when the husband is intimate with his wife, that one-way transaction, and you see it, Genesis chapter 34, Second verse, bit of a sordid tale. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her. And what did he do? There's the language right there. He defiled her and his being did cleave to Dina, the daughter of Yaakov. Look at that right there. The Hebrew word here, word here is davak, davak. It means to cling, to stick, to stay close, to stick, follow closely or link and join up. 
fact, in Jeremiah, in the third chapter, it is written, it is written, if a man puts away his wife and she goes from him and becomes another man's, shall he shoove her again? Shoove. Shall he return to her again? Shall not the land be greatly defiled? Why am I, why are we keeping getting the same connections here? Because this is seriously going to play into the very end times and the kingdom and this whole um, clot shot and all of the heart attacks that you're seeing, all the myocarditis. It's, I mean, this is all going to play into it and it's all going to play into the mass graves that are going to be, I believe, already being dug all over the world and all of the coffins. And I won't get too much because we are on the YouTube, but I think you know what I'm talking about here. Because this is all leading to the fall of Mystery Babylon. Because when the people realize that they have been absolutely hoodwinked with a DNA hijacking and a blood and a medical, the biggest medical, I won't say anymore. You know what I'm talking about. The, uh, I'm, the, the chat's blowing up here with fire and all kinds of emojis. Yeah, all right. So I think you guys are with me on the chat. Yeah, we're good. Okay. I think. Okay. All right. Okay. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Jeremiah 3.1. If a man puts away his wife and she goes from him and becomes another man's, shall he return to her again? Shall not the land be greatly defiled? But you have played the harlot with many lovers, yet return to me, says Yahweh. Well, that's not right, because we should have taken on Yahushua's uncorrupted blood, the perfect, without sin, without corruption blood, before our blood enters into the land. If our blood enters into the land and we haven't had a transfusion from Yahushua, then we will defile the land. So at some point before your day is up, there had better be a blood transfusion. And it had better be the one blood that will not pollute the land. And that is only Yahushua HaMashiach. Can I get an amen on that, right? That is simply the power of the gospel message. In Leviticus, in the 18th chapter, it's written, 27th verse, For all these abominations have the men of the land done, which were before you. And again, the land is defiled. The land is polluted because of the blood that was exchanged through appetites or sexual relations. When the woman receives multiple souls and dies and her blood pollutes the land. There is a whole culture that is being brought up on this gender-neutral, gender-bender equality. And now you have all of these young girls that are being told, oh, you know, the men have been doing this. You can do it too. And they end up with this high body count and lord it around. Well, now we live in a generation 
where there is more promiscuity, there is more gender bender roles going on, and it's all it's all the same, right? Jack can wake up one morning and decide, you know what? I'm gonna be Jill. And Jill can wake up one morning and say, you know what? I'm gonna go get Jack. And they do. And the doctor is more than happy to make it happen with prescription, medication, meat cleavers, and the like, right? Whatever is your fa I mean, I've had some bad days, I've got to tell you. I've had some bad days in my life. But I've never had such a bad day where I've come up to the breadboard in the morning and thought, you know what? Yeah, that's a bad day. I mean, that's got to be a bad day. How do you come back from a day like that? I mean, really? I'm insane? No, you're insane! Oh, but that, you know, that, that's prejudice. And now let's come up with some trigger words for you, shall we? It's ridiculous. But this is the world that we live in. It's all got to do with the blood, the land, and being defiled. And what's happened these past few years is intricately connected to that because it's changed the DNA sequencing. I'm having a little bit of fun, but it's very serious stuff. And now I get to go back to that verse that I used yesterday. Mishle, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 26. For by the means of a whorish woman, and there's that word, nookery. Nookery woman is a man is brought to a piece of bread. And the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. So what a whorish or nookery woman takes from a man is what? It's soul. It's soul trading. Blood. Seminal fluid. Who are you? I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. Or these people... And I like the way the Seventh-day Adventists used to describe it because it's not gross. These people that go around and act in what's called self-abuse, well then guess what? They don't know who they are anymore. I don't know who I am anymore. Why? Because you've spilt so much and defiled the land. So now is it easy for Jill to become Jane and Jane to become Jack? And Because you don't know who you are anymore. Do you see how the whole culture has bringing in the fluidity? And just like Kevin said yesterday, he showed us from the Greek, the Greek that has been translated into 666. What does it look like? Just look at what the letters, is it, pos is it possible that John had a vision and all he could see was this symbol that spelled out, styled out in the English language as sex. Is it possible? I don't know. Backwards. Backwards sex. Is it possible? I don't know. It's a symbol. It was a vision. It's in a foreign language. Is it possible? You be the judge. Hosea in the fourth chapter and the 14th verse, I will not punish your daughters when they commit whoring, or your spouses when they commit adultery, 
for the men themselves are separated with whores, and they sacrifice with cult prostitutes. A people that does not understand shall fall, shall fall. There's no maybe about it. They shall fall, right? In Numbers chapter 16, Yahuwah tells the people, don't even touch them or their property because there's an attachment. So be careful of the gifts you accept. Okay? Because sometimes people that are involved in witchcraft, they'll, they'll try and um, send stuff to ministers to make that connection. And then they'll be at home praying over that stuff. Okay? So you've got to be careful. You've got to be very careful. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 17th verse. Therefore, come out from among them and be kadosh, holy, says the Master Yahweh, and touch not the unclean, and I will receive you. Here, Yahweh is communicating through the Apostle Paul not to even touch the unclean. How did we get from there to that Yahushua said it's all right for us to have a pork chop? We're not even to touch the unclean, let alone put it with a cheese and a pickle and a sandwich. How did we get there? Tradition, making up a bunch of nonsense because of our carnal appetites and our vain imaginations. We're not even supposed to touch the unclean. It says right there, thing isn't even in the text. In some translation it says, touch no unclean thing. Thing isn't even in the blooming text. The King Jimmy translators added that in. Well, that means you don't get to touch unclean people. That means you only get to have relationships with inside the faith. Hmm. Think about that. That would save a lot of trouble, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it just? Wouldn't it just? Don't touch unclean people. Verse 16 qualifies verse 17 as people. Don't reach out and affect them. And be careful. Don't be quick to lay hands on somebody. You're downtown and all of us, oh, will you be careful? I mean, I, I kind of like, you know, during the COVID and they're all like, like the, the, the fist bump. I, I, I kind of like that one. That one was developed in the prison system because of tuberculosis. They decided, you know, there was so much disease in the prison system that the prisoners just said, let's just fist bump. I think that's a pretty good idea. It's people outside of our faith, right? We should be given brotherly love and a lot of hugs and, and you know, appropriately, you know, with, with, of the same sex. But with those outside the faith, I'm all right with a fist bump. Maybe an elbow to the chin. No, I'm kidding. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'd like to give Biden an elbow to the chin. That would finally finish him off, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Oh, that's political, Matthew. That's political. You know, I'm not political. I, I, I don't. I don't vote. I don't vote. I can't vote. So I'm all twisted up here. All twisted up with cords. Pretty interesting. 
Know ye not then that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two saith he shall become one flesh. Because there was a problem going in, in Corinth. You think today was bad? Corinth was bad. But maybe today's worse. I think it might be, huh? The reason was these temple prostitutes in Corinth. The reason all initiates had sex with the priestess immediately upon joining a temple was not for sexual gratification. People think that. That's not why they did it. That is not why they did it. The high priestess had the dominant demonic within her and the one flesh link up achieved through intercourse enabled her to begin exercising total control over the temple community. She had the demonic within her. And then there was a soul link up and she exercised authority. It brought all into blood submission and blood sacrifice submission underneath her. It's some pretty heavy stuff. It wasn't for sexual gratification. That's not why they were doing it. And that's why Yahweh is so strict in the Torah. When it comes to those chapters of Vaikra 18, 19, and 20. Soul trading. Very explicit. Animals. Note that even though the animal is innocent, the contamination is so real that even the animal has to be killed. Clearly not as a punishment on the animal, is it? It was a security measure. It was a security measure because we would see that if that wasn't done, then there would be a soul trading that would then vacillate and cross species. And that would, of course, cause an absolute meltdown of the creation. It was a security measure. And you got pagans drinking blood of their conquered enemies. That's an old rite all the way back through history. Why? Because we know that DNA now is a voice. It's a voice that cries out. It's a voice that Yahweh actually hears. He hears the DNA. That's some pretty heavy stuff. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 10, Abel's blood cries out, or the DNA of your brother's blood speaks out to me from the ground. So our forefathers don't have a personal living voice, but their voices cry out, perpetrating the cycle and calling for justice. Think about that. We alone have the only living voice to address our generations before us. We alone. He who hung on a tree has given us the authority to address the generations and answer the call for this generation, to put a stop to it and to move forward in spiritual blessing, power, and strength. Because the DNA is a voice that Yahweh hears. Job wrote in the 16th chapter and the 18th verse, O earth, do not cover my blood and let my cry have no place. There it is again. 
in Job 19, verse 26. And after my skin has been taken off and worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see Elohim. Right? It's encoded in there. Skin is destroyed. But the blood isn't. It goes into the land. There is a component to the blood that is not destroyed, that can't be seen under a microscope. It has a record, it has a voice, and that is why it has been targeted since March 2020. That is why it has been targeted since March 2020. 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 26. Surely I have seen yesterday the blood of Noah and the blood of his son, says Yahuwah, and I will repay you in this field, says Yahuwah. Yahuwah didn't see his flesh, didn't see his soul. He saw his blood. He saw his blood and he saw the blood of his sons and he saw it in the fields. 2 Kings 9.26. And all the way at the end of the book, you see more blood speaking in Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the beings of those that were slain for the word of Yahuwah and for the testimony. Isaiah the prophet says, to the Torah and to the testimony. And if they do not speak such a word, then the truth of Yahweh is not in them and coded in their DNA. That's a half gospel. That's a corruption. The land will be defiled and it lukewarm. You will be spewed out. It's one gospel. Genesis begins it. Revelation ends it. It's one book, one gospel, one news, one savior, one lamb one Yahweh, one people. That's it. That's it. One, one, one. We are Basar Echad, one flesh. One flesh. We are one flesh together. In Ezekiel chapter 4, he talked about generational sin. And the end of our exile is directly linked to this generational sin. That's why I'm so excited at Libby's teaching and Brenda's teaching, because we're, I think you would all agree, are speaking the same word from different vantage points and different perspectives and, and different communication styles. But we are all speaking the same word. And I've heard talk around the camp, at the campfire, and I think that this is a great community of people speaking the same word, because we have seen what Yahweh is doing in our lives, changing us, changing us from the inside out, and that's a change in the DNA. That's powerful. This will be the sign for the house of Israel. Lie on your left side, and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it for 390 days. I have laid upon you a day for each year of the exile. And I love that. When you track this back in the history and, you know, some of the 
some of your calculations may differ by a few years, but we know that the Assyrians roughly in around 720 before the Common Era, they came down into the Galilee, into the land of Naphtali in the Galilee. Think about this. If your truck breaks down, where do you go on the truck to fix it? Moshe, where do you go? Huh? What's that? Well, what happens if it broke down in the back? So are you telling me that wherever it breaks, that's where you go to fix it? So if Israel broke in the Galilee, then where would the Mashiach first go to fix it? In the Galilee, the land of Naphtali. Assyria came down to that region and took 10 Israel captive. So when the two houses were going to be healed, where would he go first to proclaim that he had come to bring the kingdom to the very area where the exile started. That's where he would heal the exile. And that's exactly why he went to the Galilee first. Because 10 Israel was taken captive in about 720 before the common era. Now, do the math. 390 years times 7, plus you've got to do 7 times the punishment, according to Leviticus 26. Six brings you to approximately 2,730 years of captivity. Israel would be captive from 721 before the Common Era for 2,730 years. 2,730 years later would be the end of the exile. And from that point on, the DNA of a peculiar people would begin to be encoded and changed. That's your generation. We are that generation. That brings us to around 2010. How many of you have been awakened around from around the early 2000s? We've got a few from the late 90s. I was, you know, early 2000s, right? Some 2010 to the date, right? People that had no connection, but now have a connection, and you are Israel. All 12 tribes gathered from abroad, a truly multi-ethnic group of people being brought together by the hand of Yahushua HaMashiach. That's powerful. That's powerful. I remember going to Israel with a group like you in 2005, and the Israeli immigration... They couldn't put a finger on us. What are you? Because you're not all Christians. You're not this. You're not Jews. You're like, you've got whites, blacks, Asians, Indians, and, and you're all and wearing seats, seat, and you've got head. They couldn't figure out. They couldn't. Israel. We're Israel. We're from all over. There's even a few English people, few Australians, South Africans, Indians, Pakistanis. I mean, ev everyone. 
That's, that's the true gospel message. It's for his people everywhere. I mean, that's an, that's, an, that's an end to all the troubles that this world is stirring up. Yahweh's the answer to all that trouble. If you could just get your head around the, the first exodus. It was a multi-ethnic group that left Egypt. And half of them hadn't been keeping the Sabbath. And then guess what? There were some pagan strangers on the way and said, man, I think we should go with them. And they said, if you want to name the name of Yahweh, you can join in too. And guess what? There's one Torah for the native born and the stranger. We're all going to be one. Because the moment that you cross over from that rotten, polluted, defiled land full of your pagan blood, and you cross over, you become a Hebrew, one who crosses over from some pagan blood land to a better land to produce proper seed and proper crop. And guess what? You keep the same commandments. And you're an equal heir. I mean, come on. I mean, this is awesome stuff. This is the answer. This is the healing leaves to the nation. This is an answer to all the manufactured problems in the world. Because if we were truly, truly Bible believers, and we really believed it, you'd go, well, hang on a minute. See that Pakistani over there? See that Englishman over there? See that Spaniard over there? And even that Portuguese conquistador, you see him over there? Well, if we're really Bible believers, aren't our parents Adam and Eve? So aren't we all from the same family? Um, well, that solves a lot of problems, doesn't it? Of social constructs. Social constructs. But they won't give those social constructs up because that's how they can ferment an explosive time bomb in the last days. And they can bring more chaos to a people that are truly seeking peace. I want peace with my neighbor. I want peace in the land. And I know that only comes through the Prince of Peace, Sar Shalom. Well, that's all I've got for you guys. But I tell you what, peace comes through blood and water. And that blood and water was spilt on the ground at Calvary so that you and I can have the opportunity to live in harmony with the Creator. And that is the conclusion of the matter. Amen. Baruch Hashem Yahweh. Amen. Amen. All right. Catch us live tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. And Libby, are you on at 11 or is that Brenda? Brenda will be on 11 o'clock tomorrow morning Pacific Standard Time. And then Libby will be on tomorrow afternoon at 3.45 Pacific Standard Time. Each day this week over Sukkot. So tune in. Thanks for your comments in the chat. I'll read them later. And you can also put some comments down 
in the comments section. It's live, a little ad-libbing. Bear with me, be gracious, and shalom.